0: Hey folks, welcome to Josh's Worst Nightmare presented by Denver Horror Collective. I'm your host, Josh Schlossberg, surveying the dark landscape of biological horror fiction. For this episode, we're being visited by Jonathan Butcher. Jonathan Butcher is the weirdo British author responsible for the extreme horror novella What Good Girls Do and a heap of other inexcusably nasty tales. He lives and breathes horror, but whenever he's away from the keyboard, he's probably either drumming badly, drinking beer that comes in a cool-looking can, or studying crime and thriller writing at the University of Cambridge. Jonathan's newest book, Chocolate Man, is all about poop. Like pretty much every scene. Welcome to my nightmare, Jonathan.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you for having me, Josh. Absolutely. Awesome to be here to talk about such such a winning subject.
0: It's important. So, on Josh's worst nightmare, I invite on horror authors to talk about an aspect of biological horror, which is living creatures, vital processes relevant to their writing. So, this episode we're talking about bathroom horror, fecal matter. AKA shit. So why did you write a whole book about such a topic?
1: Because I'm A, a childish, childish man, um, who's probably never left Freud's anal stage, if that exists, and who still finds farts and poop hilarious in almost any context. Um, But I've had this character, Creb, the Chocolate Man, um, for quite a while living in my brains. It started off as a stupid film that we were making with friends just about a fecal-obsessed inbred guy. He wasn't really a horror character. Then a few years ago, I wrote a short story turning him into a shit demon. Um, And it landed me the the, the indie deal that I got to publish What Good Girls Do, because Justin Park, the awesome guy from the Sinister Horror Company, liked that story so much, he got in touch uh and i like that story so much that i wanted to expand on that world and do an entire book about um a shit demon and his brother who is afraid of his own bodily functions <laughs> well a lot of
0: folks might <laughs> poop poo this <laughs> they yeah. might look down on covering this topic at all but i'm here to actually defend it as i assume you are so if we're oh, both sure. de- for both defending something it means we're both in agreement but i think to in horror is about taking a look at what might call the shadow the dark elements of life and making sense of them and maybe even making light of them and i think that ties directly into dealing with bathroom humor and and let's pretend let's not pretend that across all cultures bathroom humor that is universal right everyone in the world laughs at a fart and even a buddhist monk would laugh at a fart and what's is a good one if it was a ripper yeah but there's this buddhist concept and i don't know the name of it and i tried to look for it and i couldn't find it but i heard it long ago it's like where they de- deliberately go into graveyards. they'll look at dead bodies they won't take them up but you know they'll look at disgusting squirming messes of maggots as a way to not necessarily desensitize but this is life too let's not repress i mean let's not revel in it and become ghouls but Let's let's not deny it. So do you feel like that might be a way of addressing poop horror? Not that you're getting into Buddhism.
1: (laughs) I I think like horror in general is a good way to do that. It's all about looking at the things that disgust and horrify and unnerve and unsettle and those things that a lot of people would prefer not to face at any point. And I guess like throughout anyone's day, they generally speaking, if they're healthy, will poop. And it's kind of there are moments of grossness with that. It's your own body, but you're producing something that is foul and it stinks. And if you eat it, God forbid, it would poison you. And you know that it's it's coming to face, I guess, the truth of your own anatomy that we are just like living, breathing bags of meat that eaten shit. And it's kind of a reminder of your own biological processes and all those internal guts that you sometimes see in horror movies, it all comes from from those. So yeah, it's it's definitely a way of of desensitizing yourself if you expose yourself to those kinds of things within horror fiction because it's an everyday part of our lives that we don't tend to talk about unless we're kids or unless we're childish motherfuckers like me.
0: Sure. And we all are to a certain degree childish and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But what's funny is you can have as much poop Well, sorry, you can have as much blood as you want on TV and movies and stuff like that. If there's like a smear of poop, that's too far. That's extreme. Which is interesting. So if it's your actual lifeblood coming out of you, eh, that's okay. If it is some waste product, not okay. So it's just kind of an interesting thing that we make that demarcation.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, And it's it's not common to see even in the harder-edged horrors. Like I guess the harder-edged mainstream stuff will be like your torture pawns and, and things like that, which is kind of passed a little bit by the wayside. But um I think the most extreme set of mainstream movies, unless you're going to include something like a Serbian film or whatever, is the human centipede. Mm. Um, and that is very much a poop-based set of horror movies. It's all about the digestive system, the excretory system and you know the the disgust of, of of your own body producing that and evacuating it in, into other people as it happens quite a lot in in my own uh novel
0: yes and just to be clear i said hmm not hmm when you said human centipede. <laughs> i just want everyone to know this is not some weird terrible fetish of mine, i didn't hear I, the h i heard no, just well, the well we'll have to play that back i'll have to edit that then But yeah, that is a horrific concept. I never saw that movie. I didn't really feel inclined to. I'm not personally drawn to things like that, but I also don't deliberately try to shy away from them if they're presented. So I'm kind of, I'm definitely not anti, I'm definitely not like craving those things, but I'll be honest, I wrote a story that I called The Dung Witch Horror and it's a love Lovecraftian tale. And it was hard to get it published. I had somebody say it was an extended poop joke. Here's the thing. I did use humor. And it seems like you kind of can't do a serious fecal story. You have to have humor in it. But I wrote a real story with a real character arc with creature. I thought it was actually one of the cooler worlds I created. And finally, a- Aphotic Realm did published that. They only put it on their website though. They're like, yeah, this is as far as it's going, but I was happy for that. So I have contributed to this genre and I'm not ashamed to say so.
1: No, well, it's interesting that you were saying that you can't write about such things without humor. And I I pretty much agree. I do because right from the word go, as as we have already talked about, we're laughing at our own bodily functions, so it is a staple, particularly here in the UK. Um, But the feeling that I would like people to have when they read either the short story or or the the novel, hopefully, um, is that they're not sure whether to laugh or be genuinely uncomfortable. Because while the character himself, Kreb, he's not wisecracking, but I guess he's got an element of the Freddy Krueger, he's quite playful. but there are no overt excuse me jokes in in the story and when i want it to be horrifying i'm trying to write a visceral really sincerely unpleasant um sequence of of physical transformations and assaults and and all the the gross things that are in that so while i'm sure that plenty of people will find it will find it funny because i certainly do um one of the the beta readers who, who's already read it he found it he said darkly hilarious for sure um but i kind of want to walk that tightrope of yeah visceral revulsion and just just humor
0: yeah yeah and that's the the tricky line to walk and i still haven't read your story i look forward to reading it and other folks seem to think you did a good job of that. So it's exciting. And and here's what's interesting. So it's not like you're some dumb, dumb, some lowbrow, dumb, dumb. I mean, you're obviously well-spoken. You're studying at a prestigious university. We're talking about some pretty intellectual topics, believe it or not. So <laughs> I, I, that's just sort of an observation, I guess. Like you're not just coming on the poop is funny, right? You're <laughs> kind of the opposite of that. So what do you think a a thinking person such as yourself would be drawn to this, this topic instead of some allegory on what, you know, the universe is and stuff?
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess, I guess that there are certain layers of very slight depth to the story, like, um the very fact that the main character um is horrified by poop he sort of intellectualizes it because he mm-hmm. says you know poop is the closest thing that we have to a physical embodiment of evil it's its <laughs> revulsion its disgust its horror it's all of these things and it's coming from yourself and it's poisonous and the very idea that his body produces that kind of poison is an abomination to him um so i guess I could just as easily ask why aren't other people talking about it why is there this taboo with the subject you know um no one is is worried about writing about sex anymore um you know writing about all sorts of violence and things like that and i guess i've never been one to see limits in horror i've always been attracted mm-hmm. to the things that i'm not supposed to see not supposed to read not supposed to talk about because i guess those fringes of what's acceptable interest me. So I've always loved watching movies that were once banned, reading books that were once banned and things like that. Um, And I guess defecation is still a topic that is weirdly taboo. So I guess when we're more than happy to talk about the rest of our, you know, our experiences, why is it so troublesome to talk about the opposite of eating? You know, there's, there's countless books on how to create a wonderful, dish and we all know what color that ends up so mm-hmm. I, I don't know why it, it, it is such a taboo i guess if, if you talk about it like that yeah. so if you're trying to horrify and disgust with with the human body and as you say biological horror i think it's a pretty good place to to dwell but you're right a lot of people <laughs> would much rather not
0: right well so i guess horror is horror a component of disgust or is disgust a component of horror or are they separate things what do you think Disgust is uh,
1: a component of some types of horror. Um, mm-hmm. The reason I love horror so much is because no matter what mood I'm in, there's always something to entertain me. If I want a comedy, there is a comedy horror. If I want something serious, there's serious stuff. If I want something schlocky and over the top, I could watch a violent action movie or I could watch a crazy violent you know, horror movie. Um, so some of those types of films do elicit disgust and it's it's you know you can do it in a fairground ride kind of way like um what was the one drag me to hell and evil dead and and have you know complete over the top vomiting and and, and and bodily functions like that and part of the thrill of it is looking at something and going you gross um or you can have right at the other end of the scale and have you know, not not good films, I would never say really, but really extreme films like August Underground and Slaughtered Vomit Dolls. And some of these ones that some people who, you know, read Splatterpunk and watch extreme horror will be familiar with, but most of them wouldn't want to see it. <laughs> um, so I guess it's a component of some types of horror and it's that that thrill because it's it's a visceral reaction to what you're viewing or reading as well. Um, not all books and, and films can scare you, but a lot of them are able to to disgust you. And I guess there's a thrill in that sort of experience.
0: Yeah, indeed. For me, my it's only an issue if I'm eating while I'm reading about stuff like that or seeing that on TV. Like that's not a great mix for me, obviously. But other than that, I don't have a weak stomach personally. <clears throat> but I think what this comes down to, maybe as opposed to blood, even though blood does have a scent it doesn't have an overwhelming quote foul negative scent so i think the smell component is a lot of it right
1: yeah yeah definitely and once again it's a part of most people's daily experience but there's still that element of of disgust in in many ways um so it's interesting that yeah once again you can much more comfortably show someone a film where someone gets stabbed than a Mm -hmm. film where someone Hoops, right. Despite the fact that it's an everyday occurrence,
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like uh no big deal. They're just dead, but du- you know that guy took a crap. That's no, yeah, n- not that far. You know, it's kind of, it's absurd. It's I think an element also of contamination. I talk a lot about microbes, viruses, germs, you know, bacteria, parasites on Josh's worst night, worst nightmare, because those are the tiny things that get inside you. And to me, that's mm. That is the essence to me of microbial horror, something so tiny versus something giant. You know, they can still bite your head off. That's fine. But something you can't tell is whether it's threatening you or not. And crap is one of those things. It has germs, but we're not going to get sick from our own crap typically. So, but we're still disgusted by it. So it's clearly not just a matter of sickness. There's something deeper. And I, there's... Go ahead. Sorry, go
1: on. Oh, I was going to say, um, yeah, you know, in general, yes, there are safe ways to release us of our brown cargo, but um, if you got it inside you, then it would get you really sick. Right. So it is a toxic Good material. Problem. You know, if it was in a hospital or something and there was a spillage, it would go into the toxic matter bin or whatever they put it in. It wouldn't just be in a regular bin. So in in right. a sense, it is it is dangerous.
0: Yeah, to others, and like you say, if it stays inside, or you can get sepsis and all all sorts of other things. Yeah, that's very true.
1: Yeah, and all, all of these things are explored to a wonderful degree in, uh, in 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 the book that I wrote. All of these different ways that it that it can be
0: dangerous. <laughs> right. Well, there's that phrase, "My shit don't stink," you know, and people who claim that they're pure and good in every way, but they're very eager to point out. The shortcomings of others in a sense crap shit can be a it can be an allegory and an analogy for not owning our dark side not accepting some of the aspects like the line of good and evil how we all have some dark link inclinations and most of us most of the time don't give into that but the idea of like there's the pure good people and here's the pure evil people uh, we tend to lump things into uh one or two categories like that so you feel like that's a valid way of looking at it um
1: sorry can you say i can i do i do yeah. apologize
0: no no that's fine just i was just saying how our inability to accept oh look i make a stinky poo to a certain degree like we we deny that we hide that just to be yeah, there's polite. a certain
1: shame shame attached to it, definitely. Right. <clears throat> so the the very um the phrase when you say you the, you act like your shit don't stink, right. it's seen as a shameful thing. You might be perfect here, but everyone knows this disgusting, shameful thing about your character. So there's all sorts of there's there's nothing really positive that we attribute to this particular substance and bodily function, despite the fact that if you didn't do it, you would die relatively quickly. So it's actually a positive thing. Um, and I guess the sense of humor, but about it is a positive thing, but generally speaking, all of the things that we associate with it are deeply negative,
0: right? Of Um, course it is fertilizer and maybe not what humans eat. Our shit is basically terrible because we eat terrible things, but in nature, I mean, I live places here where there's meadows and the elk come around, they crap on the grass and they literally make the grass grow. So, Crap is actually extremely important part of decay process and nutrition fertilizer for the earth, for crops. There are people that still use human shit. They call it night soil to fertilize their crops. And there's debate about whether or not it's a good idea to be using raw sewage, probably not. But then there is the composted human shit, which it seems are all the the pathogens are removed. And technically it is, it is safe. Uh that's not what I use in my garden or my potted plants, but I'm open to You know, it's to
1: just cut out the middleman and <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> am, am I doing this right? I just <laughs> going in the pots. The plants are all dead, but I was just trying to make a highfalutin co- comparison between the idea of our own psychological denials about the dark elements of ourselves. And crap is that like you said, the manifestation of evil in a sense, and then we pretend that it's only from other people, so we're always hiding it. Women, in particular, tend to be like you know, there's that whole joke, and we all know everyone joking, obviously, it's just like oh, we we don't shit or anything like that. It's to be yeah. demure and and everything like that. So it's yeah, it's it's
1: a shame they have to like they feel they have to stand up to those such high standards and and just can't just be open, just be like yep, just heading for a crap. <laughs>
0: I mean, there could be some sort of sexism involved with that, where if a guy yeah. farts, it seemed to be funny. If a woman farts, I'd still think it's funny. So I'm not sure who exactly is judging them. Probably other, some men, society, society, <laughs> other women, who knows? That's I mean, funny. I have
1: yeah I have members of my family and they're like a, a, a couple, a man and a woman, and both of them just fart at each other. Sure, the guy does it more than her. But um, I think together they're almost as bad as each other. So I think it very much depends on the people, (laughs) but it very much, it it just comes back to that, that sense of shame that's attached to your own body and the things that you're supposed to hide away, um, which I'm very glad that horror often shines a very harsh light onto.
0: Yes. Well, the times when farting are the most, is the most stressful it's it's on dates, right? So while dating that's when you don't really want to fart. I guess when you're having sex, that's not ideal either. So, sex, especially. Yes, that makes it very difficult. So, I guess the question is, in your case, whenever if somebody farts, is it like do you ignore it or do you comment on it? Do you wait for them to comment? What are the rules?
1: I guess it depends on the person. <laughs> I mean, um, yeah, you're talking to a guy who will very happily laugh at the sounds of, of, of farts because this. I think it's like the clumsiest noise. That there is that you know there's there's no control that people have over it sometimes if it just sneaks out um and it's just, it's just a very funny noise but i i don't really do it just constantly in company with everyone it's it's very select few of the people that i do it with but it's certainly not something that i'm i'm, I'm embarrassed or, or or shocked about but generally speaking when it comes to the the gross stuff i, I tend to keep that to either my horror or just my stupid comments rather than my everyday life i
0: guess mm-hmm. sure as you get older so you seem like a youngish guy i'm sort of in the middle there i guess i don't know what 38. how old are you 38 okay yeah so i'm a, i'm i'm 43 so i'm just a few years older than you so we're not quite at the stage where we become obsessed with our poops but older people tend to be like they revolve their day around whether they've taken a crap or not. And it becomes very important at almost to the extent of they've had a good shit. They've had a good day. So are you looking forward to that part of your life? Or are you already <laughs> there? What do you think?
1: Uh, I'm not sure whether I'll ever get to the point where my life um, is, is so devoid of other entertainment, but if I have a good shit, it's been a good day, Uh, I guess, unless I have intestinal problems and then it's like a sincere achievement, I guess. Mm. Um, But you did make me think about um, how uh, some parts of Europe, some countries, it's customary to become more familiar with your own poop. Mm. Um, And have you heard of the poop shelf?
0: The poop shelf. Mm -hmm. So
1: in Holland and no doubt other places as well, um, their toilets are different. So rather than going straight into the the water, there's like a little shelf just beneath where you poop so that if they want to, they can examine their poop because that's a good way to tell whether you're healthy or mm. not. Different colors, you know, different stuff that you might find in it. Um, so, I mean, there are some places that are relatively familiar with uh, their their poop and are probably less embarrassed about it. I wonder if it's just predominantly the English speaking Western world i don't know whether it's a cultural thing and whether in other places because as brits we're known as being um a a a people who are very much into our toilet humor Mm -hmm. um and you know i can certainly attest to that um i would be one of those those people who would have to put their hand up and say yes i wrote a sixty thousand word novel that was predominantly about feces um so yeah, I wonder if there are different attitudes towards it, but I don't think mine will change as I get older. I imagine I'll still make childish jokes because I always thought that my love of horror would would vanish as I get older, but that hasn't. And apparently the toilet humor hasn't either. So mm-hmm. I, I think I'll probably be relatively similar as, as, I, as I age.
0: Sure. Well, I think you bring up a good point about there might be some cultural differences. I haven't researched a lot <laughs> on this, but my guess is that certain western attitudes are a bit more let's just say finicky and at least stuffy and i mean i know there are countries in which it's probably based a lot on poverty or whatever but people do shit in the street and it's not a big deal and places that are more rural you just kind of go off in the woods it's not a big deal i'm somebody who's done a lot of camping and stuff like that with hippie types it's basically the same the same deal but i wonder yeah yeah I wonder if the more stuffy you get about it, the more you find that humorous. And if in cultures where they're like big deal, like they don't even find it as uh, funny to a to a degree because it's just more prosaic. Um, maybe. Uh,
1: I think I'm the opposite, though. I think I'm I'm pretty unstuffy about it, but I do yeah. find it quite funny at the, at the same time. But I yeah. wonder if there. I mean. I've, I've lived abroad, I lived in um, South Korea, and they definitely find poop funny over there. Right. I mean, they've got a poop museum, um, they've got a toilet museum, um, It's I was teaching English over there, so uh, with like classrooms of kids who are often, they would call some teachers dong teacher, which was like poop teacher um so it's, it's it's definitely a pretty common thing maybe it's the one thing that ties every race and every creed and every language together maybe it's the one unifying experience it, it's,
0: it's can bring us all together it's all we have yeah. left yeah i i said in the beginning i think it's definitely a universal thing but i wonder if the degrees affect the the humor aspect i think it's probably true if you're too stuffy about it then you can't laugh about it at all but then those jokes would pack more of a punch because it's a big deal and to a certain extent, it's like when I think heterosexual men the world over enjoy breasts, but in the Western world where they're less revealed, like on the beaches and stuff like that, they become a little bit bigger deal. It's not like heterosexual men in France are like whatever a boob, I don't care. They, no, they they still like boobs, but it's not a fetish because it hasn't been hidden all the time. So
1: yeah it hasn't either been become fetishized or been made a taboo in the case of, of feces and you're mm-hmm. definitely right in terms of uh people's exposure to certain things uh it loses impact if you're overexposed to it and if you're not then it'll be far more shocking mm-hmm. like to someone like me who has watched countless like extreme horror movies over the years and all of what we called over here the video nasties like cannibal holocaust and i spit on your grave and stuff like that the human centipede wasn't especially shocking i found it funny definitely and it was it was definitely gross but i think to people who weren't exposed to it it would be infinitely more shocking if they were more stuffy or less exposed to the grosser ends of horror then yeah it 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 does pack more of a punch in that way
0: yeah well i think it's worth mentioning even though it's not horror but south park's mr hanky was probably the most popular version of animated shit as a as a sentient being (laughs) so they did a lot with that and it's a beloved character and people don't cute
1: he's he's kind of a cute little character with his big 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 puggy eyes and his Mm -hmm. high-pitched voice and stuff like that
0: so they kind (laughs) of paved the way in that regard because there is a ton of crossover as we said between horror and comedy and of course there's so many other elements that could be tied in i mean as you get older, and also when you're a baby, you know, diapers, just the concept of shitting into a, a bag around you, there's all stuff with colostomy bags. We've lost all of our listeners at this point, but that's okay. <laughs> and, and then I know some folks who have Crohn's disease, right, which is an awful intestinal disease and a lot of things centering around shitting. So it's not a fun thing. But should we also pretend it's not happening? Should we not address this stuff? I'm I, yes. on the other side of that.
1: Yeah, for sure. I I think that maybe not in in the same. I'm not saying that my book is is doing anything positive, apart from hopefully making a few people entertained. But I think that there is an element of uh, positivity to being a bit more open about certain things, depending on the way that you do it. I've seen, you know, um, articles about uh, people on Instagram who are trying to normalize like col- colostomy bags and what, whatever the other bag is uh, for Crohn's disease that it, it's a similar thing anyway mm. um like posi- body positivity is, is a is a huge thing you know and I don't want to get political because I'm not this way inclined but I guess it's a privilege that we're able to be uh jokey and uh or stuffy about poop because it isn't a big part of our day we just do it and then forget about it but some people it is a constant thing you know, mm-hmm. if if they have a bag attached to their body to collect the waste, then you know half the world is going to be repulsed by that. When in fact, it's just it's a life-saving procedure that has made them far better. And maybe we shouldn't be as repulsed and as squeamish about such things that you know impact a lot of people's lives.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and maybe you're not doing it intentionally, but in a sense, you are helping with that element of the body positivity movement, the shit positivity, there's sex positive people, there's shit positive by just bring talking about it. And, you know, you're bringing a horror, you're like, oh, it's an evil thing. But at the same time, we know it's probably not because it's, you know, it's a horror story. It's fiction and all that. But you are bringing it out into the light, right? You're, you're bringing it out into the open. We're talking about these things more. I think the more we talk about them <laughs> to a degree, the more comfortable <laughs> we get with that. and yeah. So if folks are like, hey, yeah, I have to shit in a bag because part of my body is not working. I think in a world in which we've become a little more accepting of that yeah, we all shit, it's not a big deal, the the better it is for those people. So yeah, I mean, it's also a it's almost like a disability rights. I'm not ascribing any of that to you or this <laughs> podcast or this conversation, but that's a direction it could potentially go. And I support that.
1: Yeah, I guess if, if there was less, you know, poo-based um, sexual assault and murder in my book, then maybe it could be a positive, <laughs> you know, thing for the world. But <laughs> I'll let I'll let someone else do that one. I think.
0: Well, it sounds like a fascinating read. I think it is a valid component, essential, fundamental component of biological horror. So I I fully support what you're doing. So what are you working on now? And remind folks where uh, we can find your work.
1: Okay, awesome. So, um, The Chocolate Man um, is going to be released on the 26th of October, exclusively through Godless, for a week. Uh, And then after that, it'll be available with the paperback on Amazon. Um, And at the moment, I am writing, uh, hopefully going to be finishing a political horror called Beast of the Earth, which is about uh, extremism, I guess, um, and the horrible um, lengths that it goes to and conclusions it can have.
0: Well, fascinating. Thank you so much, Jonathan, for coming on. Thank you for having me. It's been wicked. Thanks for taking a trip with me through Josh's Worst Nightmare, where I, Josh Schlossberg, survey the dark landscape of biological horror fiction presented by Denver Horror Collective. If you don't want to miss any of the great and sometimes disturbing weekly episodes I've got planned for you, Be sure to subscribe to Josh's Worst Nightmare on a variety of podcast platforms. You can also sign up for Josh's Worst Nightmare e-newsletter at joshsworstnightmare.com, where I share a whole squirming mess of bio-horror, including my infamous haiku horror reviews and my latest dark scribblings. Speaking of which, if you haven't already picked up a copy of my cosmic biological, Folk horror novella Molinae, from D&T Publishing. You can find a copy of the paperback, hardcover, or ebook at Amazon, Godless.com, or Josh's Worst Nightmare.com. Yours darkly, Josh Schlossberg.